Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Podcast Juice. My name is Michael Dean, and you're listening to the podcast on Prince. And uh, I always say this, but I mean it. We got a special one today. Uh, we've got somebody who I think a lot of you may not have had a chance to hear, uh, you know, things from his his perspective on Prince and, and many other things. Uh, so we want to welcome Mr. Coco to the show. How you doing, Coco? I am good, brother. Thank you. All right, man. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. And let me just say for those who's like, well, who is Mr. Coco? So this gentleman right here, uh, we came this. We're talking about Prince. So he was um, a personal bodyguard. Hopefully I'm using the right terminology for Prince. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And uh, which so what, tell the people what years or time frame uh, did you work work for Prince? Uh, I was with Prince from 91 to 95. Okay, wow. So this is like diamonds and pearls and the, the yes, love symbol and the name the change. <laughs> the gold album. Gold album, okay, okay. Well, you know what? <clears throat> I'm glad you brought that up because um, after we had, we had, a, we had talked initially before we, we did this, and uh, I think I was looking at your Facebook page and uh, uh -huh. I was like, oh, OK, it was just a lot of stuff coming through. And I wanted to start at um, the David Letterman performance. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a great uh, piece on 60 Minutes with uh, Morris Hayes retelling uh -huh. the story of, of the uh, Prince's performance on uh, Letterman. It was the performance where he did Dolphin. Uh, and I, it's so funny because I, as a fan, I remember that night I had to rush home. I was working a late, a late, late shift and I had to rush home. I wanted to watch it. And I remember I was like, Oh wow. This K Prince. And he kind of looked a little different. I had never heard the song before and I was tripping. And then at the end, he does this thing where he's like mocks getting shot by a gun and he just like <laughs> falls back and then this brother comes out and pulls Prince off. I was like, what the hell is going on? Like I, I was just in shock. But come to find out, you know, years later, that was you. You were the one that pulled him. Yes. Tell us your your perspective of that, how that happened and, and how Prince came to you about that and just how that whole thing went from your eyes. Well, when I tell you, he told me to do that backstage mm. like literally it was the night of the show and Letterman had these these little clips he was doing earlier before the show and Princeton like how he was being mocked mm. so he, he whispered in my ear like literally he whispered in my ear nobody knew my tape didn't know nobody knew and he whispered in my ear and said I'm going to pretend like I shot myself in the head and Maite is going to, you know, be soaking over me and all that. And I'm going to come out. I want you to come out rather and take me off the stage and take me straight to the car and we're leaving. Oh, wow. And if you know, any, if you know anything about, 
you know, Rockefeller Center and, and uh, where the David Letterman show is taped, there's a door leading right outside to the street. And you can literally come from right outside backstage and get in the car and leave. And that's exactly what we did. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and that was like no communication with Dave or anybody else. He just bounced, just did the show. Right. Wow. Yes. <laughs> that's not, that's Prince, man. That's that's a cold move. Yeah. That was a cold move. <laughs> And then you guys just got yeah. in the, the limo or something and just. I mean, nobody knew the band. Nobody knew. We got in the wow. car and left. So was the band and still left I back there? Yeah, the band was still on stage playing. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, I had to come back and communicate with everybody and let them know what was going on. Wow. Like, <laughs> and this was like just, I mean, was this like, I guess, right before the performance? Type of thing. I like, mean, literally, literally, like standing backstage. I guess yeah. he must have really been pissed off that day. I guess, I guess, well, I, you know, a lot of these guys, man, they'll be talking, they'll do some real slick kind of, you know, play it for last, yeah. but it'd be kind of slick. I mean, you had, you had to realize that Prince wasn't big on interviews at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, he still was in the, you know, no pictures phase and I don't want to do interviews phase. And he had just started doing, you know, live TV shows. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, before that, you couldn't find him on too many live TV shows. So when he decides to start back doing them, you know, he didn't want no extra stuff. Wow. All right. Um, we're going to jump around a little bit, but if we could, before going to some real deep history of yourself, um, how did you how did you meet Prince? How did that you know how did that opportunity come about? Well, I used to work for a security company in L.A. made up of all of the top bodyguards in the business. Mm -hmm. We all had a security company to where we would do, you know, videos and movie shoots and stuff like that. Right. So we got the call to do a video downtown L.A. We didn't know who we didn't even know who the video was for. We just knew we was going to be doing a video in the middle of the night at City Hall. So we all got our assignments and my assignment was the trailer, which means I was going to be at the trailer, watching the trailer, making sure nobody goes in the trailer. Because once again, we were in downtown L.A. So, you know, you have a lot of you know derelicts and folks walking around downtown L.A. So I'm at the trailer and one of his bodyguards come out. And, you know, introduces himself, you know, and we start talking, we chop it up. And we end up having this great conversation based on football. He went to Oklahoma. I went to Texas University. So, you know, how that went. Okay, okay. <laughs> and, you know, that became a thing. And, you know, I kind of let him know a little bit about my background and about the guys that were there. Because he wanted to know, you know, who us guys were. Like, all of us were so big. <laughs> you know, he had never seen, you know, he never seen so many big dudes with guns. Mm, okay. You know, we, had, you know, we kind of looked like, we kind of looked like Crash. We had on jeans and these blue jackets, you know, these blue jackets right. and guns on our hips, right? Y'all was know, strapped. But we had, right. I was the shortest and the smallest one. <laughs> 
I was the shortest and the smallest one out of all of us. Mm. So you kind of get a gist of the size of everybody. Right. Wow. The biggest guy the, the You're biggest the smallest guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he was just amazed at that, too. And, uh, you know, we started talking. I let him know, you know, I'm from South Central L.A. and stuff like that. And them being from Minnesota, they were very intrigued with South Central L.A. They mm-hmm. wanted to know if all the stories were true. And, mm-hmm. You know, does that really happen and stuff like that. And, you know, I let them know the, the few people that we had been with previously. And he said, really? And so he went into the trailer. And when he went into the trailer, he, the door came back open and Prince popped his head out. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, this, this, this is still Prince. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I'm like, whoa. You know, the fan kind of came out a little bit like, wait <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> you know? <laughs> what? You know, like, what? <laughs> you know, you got to take a step back a little bit. You know, like, that's Prince. Like, <laughs> whoa. He said, can you come in here for a minute? I'm like, hold up. <laughs> hold up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, all this is like 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm. You know, I'm like, hold on. Who playing with me? Maybe it's an imposter or something, <laughs> you know. Because, of course, I'd never seen the dude in person before, you know, nothing mm-hmm. like that. Always heard his music, you know what I mean? I was a DJ, you know, but that's that's okay. a part of another long story. Okay. And I was, yo, so how you doing, man? And he said, so I understand you used to work for Ice Cube. I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And gave me that look. <laughs> like I already know what you mean. Like he didn't believe me. Right. You know, like I'm lying to him. <laughs> He said, you really know Ice Cube? I said, yeah, we, we just came off the road with him. And he said, can you call him? Damn. <laughs> he want receipts. <laughs> I, I said, hold on, dog. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know. I said, uh, I'm, I'm sure he will not be answering the phone this time of morning, but I'm sure I can get a hold to him in the morning for you. He said, I really want to do a project with him, and I haven't met anyone who knows him. So I'm really glad to meet you. He said, what's your name? And I said, I'm Coco, but everybody called me Big Coco. He said, hmm, Coco, I like that. <laughs> okay. He said, Coco, you going to be here for a while? I said, yeah. I said, I'll be here all night. He said, okay, I want you to be with us. Mm. And I was like, okay. So I had to tell the guy that was, you know, the, the guy running the, the the show as far as us and security, I had to let him know, hey, man, Prince wants me to walk with him. And he said, who? <laughs> and I said, Prince. Like I said, we didn't know who the shit was for. Okay, right, right. So he, said, he said, Prince, Prince? I said, yeah, Prince, Prince. He said, wow. He said, okay. He said, yeah, he wants me to walk him to the set. He said, okay, well, I'll cover for you. Mm-hmm. So... He comes out, and another guy comes out named Dwayne. If you are familiar with Dwayne, that was his brother. Rest in peace. And Dwayne comes out, and he says, how you doing, man? You know, I'm Dwayne. You know, I'm his brother, and I'm his personal. And I said, okay, I got you. So I stepped, took a step back. 
I said, I'll just be I'll just be following you. And he said, Yeah, he told me that's what you want. He wants you to do that. So that's what we you know what I mean. Both of them got these great deep voices, right? Hmm. So I'm flipping off of that, like, okay, these little light skinned dudes with these deep voices, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, I mean, like I said, I'm from Central, man. You know, know. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a character, but you know, I've always had that, that real personality. You know what I mean? And that's I'm always good. been me. So, you good? So I talked it up with him. I was like, well, you know, you kind of little bit bodyguard, bro. <laughs> you know, and you know, that was our 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 beginning to our relationship. We were able to 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 joke. And, and, and be comfortable with each other, but also make sure it happened to him. We go to the set, and it happened to be Diamonds and Pearls set. Oh, okay, but the song. The song. Yeah, he actually gotcha. did the concert live at City Hall in downtown LA. Mm. So the whole band was there, and they actually did the song live on the steps of City Hall. That whole video was done live, like a concert. Interesting. Right. So, you know, that part was, was crazy, too, because everybody could hear this music at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so people started gathering, you know, so we had to make sure we tightened up. Was there an audience for this, or was it just a closed set type of thing? It, it, was, it was live outside on the steps. So we couldn't really close the set, but we could actually tighten the set, meaning that we could keep people, you know what I mean? Because it was about six of us. So we were able to keep, you know, people at the bay. Like a little perimeter or something. Exactly. Got it. Got it. That, that was my first encounter, that first day. And so that day, when we came back to the trailer, he told his manager to tell me that he wanted me to be with him for the next couple of days of the shoot, which was going to be cream as well. Hmm. And so, you know, <laughs> wow. his manager said, hey, can you uh, come back tomorrow wearing a suit? I said, huh? <laughs> and believe it or not, at this time, I, hey, I didn't even have a suit. <laughs> so his manager, his manager reached in his pocket and gave me some money to buy a suit. You didn't go trick that money yeah. off, did you? You bought the suit? <laughs> Oh, no, man, I bought two. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it was like two-day set, so I bought two suits. And I was with him ever since from that day on. Wow. Now, let me, so let me ask you this. Wow. So let me ask you this. The, the guy that um, I guess must have been contracted to do the job and brought you guys on, <clears throat> how does he feel like, is there any sort of animosity in the bodyguard world if, if you know, if you get chosen, I guess, by the actual uh, client to come and work direct? Was there any sort of, you hear anything else about that? Well, I, I, I'll say this. It, it is animosity in the world, but this actual tight-knit crew that we had, to this day, this guy and I have been close to the point where he's gotten me some of my biggest clients. Okay, okay. It's like, I know for a fact that if he called, that means he want me to go be with somebody. Okay. 
So are you a solid dude? Then it sound like you know. Yeah, he he he's like it's like that, and it's only a few of us. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, and so no, it's never been that. Wow, and uh, and we're gonna talk about some people you work with before you you already let the the ice cube thing out. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to stay on that for a second. So I know I remember that Prince ends up collaborating with Ice Cube. Ice Cube directed uh, was it Love Sign? Love Sign. Nona Gay's video. Yeah. yeah. Were Were you around for that as well? Uh, I am standing. I'm standing right next to him. <laughs> you remember, I'm with I'm with him all the time okay. from '91. Okay. To '95. <laughs> Damn, you the first yes, out the limo, as, as Charlie Mack would say. I guess. <laughs> man, true enough, man. Me and Charlie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so that's interesting. So, when the Ice Cube thing comes around, was there? Did you ever? Well, that's what I was going to ask. Did you ever end up calling Ice Cube? The the very next day, I gave him a call and said, uh, "You're not going to believe this, but." Prince wants to meet you. And, you know, he said a few explicatives. <laughs> you know, so they quit playing. Ain't nobody playing with you. You know, I said, hey, man, I was with the dude last night. And then he said, what you doing with Prince? You know, like I said, you know, this is not a, a normal thing for cats from right. You know, we just did boys in the hood. You know what I mean? So he like, whatever. And I said, dog. He wants to talk to you. I'm finna. I'm, I mean, you want me to give him your number? You want to call him? What you want to do? Mm. He said, "You serious?" I said, "For real." And they, I gave the, the number to his manager. His manager contacted him. Blah blah. They did it. Hooked it up. Blah blah. And you know, he called me back and said, "I thought you was lying." <laughs> you know. And so they hooked it up. Blah blah. And maybe, uh, maybe about a week or so later. He uh, said, you know, we're going to be doing some video shoots in Century City. Are you familiar with that? I said, sure. You know, I was going to Century Club and stuff like that. He said, we're going to be doing some videos near there. I want you to go check it out. You know, I mean, that was always my thing to go check out buildings and stuff like that. Oh, interesting. It's so interesting how everything is connected. People Hmm. see things come back around. So... Uh, wow, there's a lot that can, can go into the Prince stuff, and I know people want to hear that, but I want to hear some of the other stuff too. I'm, we're gonna go back. We'll come back to Prince, but that's a good starting point. Getting to okay. pr- getting to Prince, though, right? Mm-hmm. The journey of that. I want to go all the way back to you know Crenshaw. Say so you went to Crenshaw High. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So you out there during the '80s. <laughs> When yeah, a lot right. of the stuff that is sort of, you know, almost like myth out here in pop culture mm-hmm. was the reality, you know, you saw all of that, was I would me, imagine. Was me, was me getting off a bus and walking to school reality. Now, and where, what neighborhood are you from? Where are you from? Like where, where? Um, to, to say it lightly, I am from the 60s. Okay, I, I know what you're saying. So, 60th and okay. Western, you know, sloth and swap me. Gotcha. 
sir. So growing up in the 80s, man, I mean, from, from your perspective, <clears throat> one, we'll tie it into Prince too, but one, I wanted to ask you, so the Prince, you know, and you see it in, and you see it uh, when you see early pictures of Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Egyptian lover. Uh, you yes, see yes, the yes. influence. Yes, yes. I would say yes, there's a lot of at that 80s time, the Prince influence in the streets consciously mm. or subconsciously was pretty heavy, right? Like the style and things like that. And, uh, like I said, I, I went to Crenshaw and Crenshaw was a DJ and dance crew heavy environment. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We, we were influenced by the music of Prince. You know, songs like Head and mm-hmm. slow songs like Maximal Lover and you know what I mean? So let's work and you know what I mean? So yeah, Prince yeah. was heavy in rotation. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So I became a DJ. I was a part of the music people. The music people were the crew of DJs and music equipment that supplied all the turntables, lighting, and speakers for Uncle Jam's army. Okay. Okay. Wow. Interesting. So I was literally like the first dude on turntables before Bob Catton, before he was all. I was the first dude on turntables making sure they worked. You know what I mean? Okay. (laughs) Were you, you you was actually spinning and stuff? Doing parties? Actually, me, actually, me and DJ Pooh used to compete over who's gonna get on the turntables first. <laughs> oh right, wow, wow, DJ Pooh. But yeah, I was a, I was a DJ. I started DJing in eleventh grade, and uh, I was DJing high school lunch dances and night dances and house hmm. parties. Okay. And then, so, so you, if you being into to DJing and stuff like that, like, mm-hmm. is that, is that sort of keeping you out of some of the other stuff <laughs> that you could get into? Well, in, in, I also, played, I also played drums. Okay. So me being a drummer kind of kept me out of that, keeping a pair of drumsticks in my back pocket, mm. kind of keep me from jacked and kind of kept me from, you know, a lot of the gang stuff, mm-hmm. but I was attracted to that because I was also a pop locker. <laughs> okay. Now talk to me. So, so talk to me about Paula's pop locking and, and gang culture. Cause I wouldn't, I didn't, I didn't know if that sort of connected like that, but it, it, it existed hand in hand. Mm. You could literally pop lock your way out of a gang situation. Really? You could literally, like, there were times, because I went to Horace Mann, too. So there were times where I could be walking to school, and they would see how I was dressed and see the letters on my on my, on my my clothes, you know, my Batman jacket with, with puppets on the back of it and, you know, Mr. Tick and stuff like that on there and these old English letters that looked like I was banged out. Okay. Right? Hilarious. So then they would say, well, you need to pop lock against my homie. But we gonna jack you up. So I used to have to literally pop lock for my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but also, <laughs> also, it, it created in me 
a a a a knowing to know and learn how to fight. Mm. So I got to a point where sometimes I just didn't want to pop lock and I just be like, let's go. Mm. Because believe it or not, a lot of dudes that's in gangs, they don't have no hands. They just got guns. Okay. So if you knock the dude out in front of a whole bunch of people, that got around. Mm. And that's how I kind of made a name for myself. So they started calling me One Punch. <laughs> you was One Punch Man. One Punch. You might, you might not know that, but there's a, a very popular animated uh, Japanese animated show called One Punch. That's the whole thing. He, he'd knock a person out with One Punch. So you, mm-hmm. You're the real life. <laughs> one Punch Man. <laughs> so, Believe it or not, throughout the 80s, you know, I mean, I, I kind of had to decipher whether I wanted to be on the entertainment side or the gangbang side. Mm. And it became a almost together thing where rappers that was once gang members turned into rappers and, you know, hustlers turned into rappers and all that came together. And like I said, I, my first client was Ice-T. And if you know anything about Ice-T's background, you know, Ice-T went to Crenshaw. And mm-hmm. Ice-T is the neighborhood and all that. So Ice-T knew of me. And I ended up going on my very first tour with Ice-T. See, Ice-T saw me because I said Ice T was around Uncle Jan's army. He's wanted to get on the stage and rap. Okay. Remember, I was there as a DJ. Mm. But sometimes, as a DJ, I would hop off the stage and go jump in the fight, <laughs> and they was fighting. <laughs> wow. You know what I mean? So Ice T would see that and be like, "I need him with me." Mm. So this is Ice T, like. Uh... Six in the morning, uh, Ryan Pays. Before that. Before, before that. that. Before that. Okay. Wow. Cold, cold winter madness. See, I don't even know that one. <laughs> That's the very first one. <laughs> okay. Oh, is that the one? He, he did one with like Jam and Lewis early on, too. Uh, you know, the very first one on Saturn. Saturn. Okay. Saturn Records. So you was with Ice when he was like, we're breaking and all that? Um, right after that is when he got his record deal. Okay. Okay. What's that yeah. one dude's name? Was Chris the Glove or something like that? Chris know. the Glove. Yes, sir. Okay. Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Talk to me about, did you go with Ice then? Because Ice would go to New York and different places. Were you were you just on tour or were you like with him, with them when they went out? Like him and Darlene and stuff. Okay. I was with him and Darlene and Evil on the first West Coast leg of what they called the Spanish Fly Tour. It was Lisa Lisa and Colt Jam and the and the Fat Boys. Fat Boys. And, and Ice T was the opening act. And this is like the first time, really, of I guess quote unquote a gangster rap. I don't even think they didn't even call it that. I don't think they called it that at the time, but you know, 
Yeah, he was the very first. Yeah. He was actually one of the very first rappers to cuss on stage. Wow. So what was that like for you? I, you know, y'all going out where you're from and now you taking that on the road. Is there do, are people like, oh, okay, I see what ICE is about. Are you from this element? Are you are y'all gangbanging? Did, are you guys have to deal with any sort of like confrontations or just what was it like? You know? It wasn't never a colors thing because ICE never represented the neighborhood that was colors. He was always a hustler. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't on the color side. He wasn't blood and cripping. You know what I mean? So it wasn't really on that level. Okay. He was a gangster that told you about the hustling street life. Right. That kind of gave him a, a blanket pass in some degree because you're like, well, he's a... Exactly. You know I mean? The tours that we were on, you know, like I said, you're talking about Lisa Lisa Cold Jam, Expose, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That crowd... <laughs> that crowd is low riding, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they just loving just for what he's saying and because he cuss every now and then. They like, oh yeah, we like this vato. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> what what was that first was that the first tour you went on? Very first time I ever left town as a bodyguard. What and what did that feel like? Getting out of LA it going pure, just pure excitement. I mean, every every time I got on stage, it was pure excitement to see that many people, you know, losing their mind. You know, my first thought was, what if all these people decide to rush the stage? What am I going to do? You know, kind of thing. And it's amazing that, you know, it never really happens that way. It's always just one or two. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting for me, just totally exciting. And I knew this is what I wanted to do. No, Ice had some, I didn't really see it at the time as a fan, but looking at it, I can see. It was like a little thing with him and uh, LL Cool J. Was that, was there any, was that real at all from your perspective or was that just something on records? Um, It was real and it sold records. Mm. Both. It was, a, it was the very first East Coast, West Coast <laughs> beef, so to speak. But it sold records, so it wasn't like neither one of them was going to be nothing to each other because they, you know, like I said, we both had people around us to keep that from happening. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't that serious. It was just about rhyming. Okay. How how involved, because you just said something that was very interesting. You said there were people around to keep that type of stuff from happening. How involved are you and others when things of this nature come out? And I'm going to bring something into this conversation because it's just people have been talking about it at a time. But like the situation with like Will Smith and Chris Rock. <laughs> now, at the time, I don't know if a, body, a bodyguard or somebody could jump in front of that. But how involved would you be if, say, Ice or something wanted to go do something? Or, you know, you know, what I mean, like, do you do you guys how do you diffuse that before it even becomes that type of issue? Or, or is that even sort of your job to do? <laughs> Well, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm last of the dying breed. They don't make them like me and a few others no more to where you get real personal with the personal you're with. Mm-hmm. So you have, they don't have that type of relationship. It's more of a, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, and just stand off and, you know, do your job type of thing now mm. as opposed to before where I could say, hey, man, that ain't a good look. Don't do that. That ain't going to be cool. 
let's just wait and we can get that dude, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As opposed to you so far away that you don't have no input that you could keep something like that from happening. Um, so, yeah, man, so Ice-T, what else? Um, and then, of course, you know, the cop killer thing. Uh, you know, just some of the big moments that I can remember uh, from his situation. How did y'all see that? I mean, how was that from your point of view, that whole situation? At, at the time, at the time, it was just a record. <laughs> you know, it was just a record. You know, it was another song on the album. <laughs> and people just kind of took to it and started liking it. But then once they, once they started creating the reality of actually doing it, then it became a problem. Mm. You said they. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so after Ice T around this time, you I know you mentioned to me off the off the off the air was uh, King T. Did you you work with King T as well? Yeah, I was with I was with basically all of your your great L.A. rappers. So you're talking King T and uh, L.A. Breed and. Mm. You know, the DLC and, you know, Easy E and Mixmaster Spade, <laughs> okay. you know, all those cats, as far as the, the L.A. rappers, you know, I was definitely around during that time. Were you ever uh, around like Death Row? Uh, believe it or not, me and Suge were bodyguards together we both worked for al Heyman. okay so we would go we would go on Superfest tours together mm. before death row mm-hmm. and before wa how so was me and Suge? me and Suge actually went to uh new york in 1988 and it was the first time we both had been on a plane to go be bodyguards Okay, okay. What what was Suge like back then? Uh, this really big dude who, if you let him intimidate you, he's going to intimidate you and step on you like an ant. Damn. Interesting, interesting. Could you see that guy that you did that early work with, could you envision him to end up becoming what he did? Not at all, and especially to the people he did it to. Those were his friends. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, them was his dudes. Like, we've been knowing them dudes forever. Wow. Okay. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, not at all. So, uh, so what were some of, some of the other people? Because uh, you, you mentioned a lot. There was, like, some R&B type thing. And, like, how do you – and also, how do you start to work for all these other people? It's, it's mostly a phone call, and believe it or not, you know, you go to award shows. When you go to award shows, that's every artist in every genre. Mm. So they get to see you, and they get to see your work, or they get to see who you're with. And it's just like rich people. You know, one rich person wants what the other rich person has. <laughs> it's the same thing in the entertainment business. It's like, oh, who's his bodyguard? Oh, okay, well, I want him to come work for me. 
So it's the same situation. You And I tell this to all young bodyguards. Do your job because they're always watching. Mm-hmm. Who was, who, give me, can you tell me some of the other names? He mentioned like Patty LaBelle. Um, yeah, I did, I did Patty LaBelle uh, on Superfest tour with her and Luke Vandross. Um, like I said, I was Monica, okay. Monica's first bodyguard as a youngster, 13, 14 years old. Mm. And I was also Queen FIFA's first bodyguard. Uh, princess of the posse and stuff like that. <laughs> um, I was also Shanice's first bodyguard mm. when she first got smile. Okay. Man, who was uh, who was the easiest person to work with? <laughs> <laughs> I would say the easiest person would have been Mavis Staples. Ah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Only because she said, Coco, do what you do. Now, that came from a Prince recommendation. Mm, okay. Prince recommended to her people when she wanted to do a video after the L.A. riots. Mm-hmm. She said, I want to go to L.A. and shoot a video. Well, Prince was like, well, <laughs> you might as well have Coco with you. And so, so Paisley Park, you know, provided that whole production crew and everything and paid for security and casting. So I handled the actual whole video. I handled the casting, I handled the location, all of that. She just said, Coco, do what you do. You remember what song that was for? Mm, mm, mm. Uh, No, I don't. It was like it was one of the Prince Prince ones, though. I mean, no, no, no. It was her personal song. Oh, okay. That she shot in L.A. after the L.A. riots. Okay. I know my listeners are they'll drop it in the comments. Do their googles. (laughs) Yes, sir. It was her own song. Well, all right. Now I don't know if you can answer this one. The, I think the Crenshaw person that will, will be able to answer it, but I don't know. You know, we all get different as we get older. But who was the who was the uh, who's the one who made you work the hardest? Put it that way. Made me work the hardest. Oh. Um, I would probably have to say Westside Connection. Really, Mac Ten WC yeah. Ice Cube and Ice Cube. Yeah, because like I said, that was right in the heat of the West Coast beef with Bad Boy. Mm-hmm. And so people were stepping up, man. They was they was trying to see, you know. <laughs> they was trying to see if, if, you know, if y'all really bought what you're talking about on this record. <laughs> wow. So we, we really had to, you know, step up, put our dukes up some nights. Really? Yes, sir. so I would say that would be it would be definitely him and definitely between maybe my solo time with Mac 10. Mm. I was with him for the solo stuff. Mm. Man. So you said the streets was trying yeah. to test. Check yeah. temperatures, huh? Mm. They really, really were. 
Woo. That's why I'm glad I'm a civilian. <laughs> Don't want no parts. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so Mr. Prince. Diamonds and Pearls in the Cream video. That's your first situation. Yeah. And when yeah. do you, or if you ever, and I'm sure you do, when do you go to the Paisley Park? What was that like going to Minneapolis? Um, believe it or not, I didn't go to Minneapolis until 94. Oh, damn. <laughs> Believe it or not, I was with him three years before I ever went to Minneapolis, but I was with him and we traveled the world, but I never went to Minneapolis. Now, there was one time where I had to meet him in Minneapolis at the airport, and then we flew to Germany, but I was only in the airport. But to actually go to Paisley Park, I actually stayed there for about six months mm. and lived in the back. But I didn't actually go there until like '94. That's interesting. What What was it like when you but, first yeah. came there? How did you see it? Yeah, to actually, to actually go up that hill <laughs> to get to get there was tripping me out because I was like, "Wow, this dude live up in the mountains." He's a way out in the sticks. <laughs> yeah, it's like wow, you know. And the 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 weather, man, I, I couldn't get over that. That just just. <laughs> You know, I'm from LA, man. How you taking me to <laughs> ten degrees? You know what I mean? Right. I, I'm like, ain't nowhere in the world. I'd be living here. <laughs> you know, but he said the cold keeps the bad guys out. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's why he loved it. So, so I'm, I'm gonna go, keep going back. What did you think of Paisley Park when you when you, when you got there? I, I thought it was like, you know, crazy, all these studios and, and the fact that he could actually live here. And, you know, it was it was amazing. Like, like I said, that whole trip, like I said, Prince has always just been amazing to me the way that he could do things and do what he wanted to do. But to actually be where the man lived and actually be where he created his music, like I can literally be sitting outside of a studio door and watch him go in there by himself, be in the studio by himself, and 10 to 12 hours later, tell me to come in there and listen to like five or six hits that he's made. Mm. I I can't say that about nobody else. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Nobody else. Uh, As a I'm curious too, just what you thought about Prince and, you know, I'm saying, you know, coming from where you come from. And of course we knew who Prince was. He was the, you know, Prince was the shit. Like, you know, like you said, the first time you see him, <laughs> you was like, yo, I can't believe it. But when you actually, right. are, when you were around him and you were like, okay, this is a real person. <laughs> like, what did you think of him? You know, how did he come off to you? He came off to me like a blessing. Hmm. Like, this dude was first class everything. You know what I mean? Like, he paid for every suit I owned back then. He paid for that. Every time I flew somewhere, it was first class. If we stayed in the hotel suite, I stayed next door to him. So mm-hmm. it was never nothing 
you know, beyond just super professional with him. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. And then I always loved his style. Mm. You know what I mean? This wore Versace every day and <laughs> a different suit day. And you know what I mean? Yeah, Everything yeah. he wore his own stuff. And he didn't never wear nobody else's stuff. He had people to come in and bring him his clothes and bring, you know what I mean? Like I just liked the huge style. Now, when it came to females, uh-oh. He had to be he had to be the pickiest dude on the planet. Really? Now, you seen what he's had, right? Mhm. Mm-hmm. You ain't never seen what he turned down. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably gold to me, but yeah, I mean, I can't oh only imagine. I and mean, I know you seen some bad ones be, come through here. I would be one of the dudes that would go get them. Like he would be like, "Hey, you see her?" Get her, you know, and I, I go get her, bring over, and she'd be like the baddest thing you ever seen in your life. <laughs> and he would say, She blinks her eyes too much. You'd be like, What, dude? Are you kidding me? You know, and, and it would just be incredible. Like I said, that dude, dude was. I say there was nobody like him. Nobody. Mm. Without saying any names, right? Because we respect that. Was there a young lady or somebody who came through that surprised you? Like it was somebody you had heard of or it was a big star or something. You was like, oh, okay. I see you, Prince. Is there any? We're not saying no names or nothing, but. I can name names, but I I do have a book out. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. So I'm going to name one name and then the other name, because this other name is already in the presses right now, I'm not going to mention her name on your podcast because I don't know how big your podcast is. It might get both of us in trouble. It might. So So, so I'm going to name one name, which was Rosanda. Talking about from TLC? You know, yes, sir. Yeah, I, I kind of heard about Chili, that. Yeah, yeah. Him and Chili were real, real, real close. They used to play Uno together. <laughs> Prince. He would Chili. tell me to go to Chili, go pick her up, and bring her to the club, which was Glam Slam. And they would play Uno two, three o'clock in the morning. Mm. So I said to him, well, why, why not Chili instead of Carmen? Okay, hold on. Yeah, 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 Carmen Electric. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right? So I would say, well, why not Chili instead of Carmen? And he said, Chili's too little. I was like, okay, all right, I'm, 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 I'm through with the matchmaking. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm out of it. I'm good. Okay. Uh, I, there's one thing I got to ask you then um, about Chili TLC. If I can remember correctly, there was an 
article or something, and it made mention that Prince drove his tour bus to one of their houses or something. Is do you know what I'm talking about? Does that ring a bell to you at all? That that might have been after me. Okay. Because this dude never even got on a bus when okay. I was with him, so definitely got to be after me. Gotcha. So you brought up uh, Carmen Electra. And she's yeah. actually going to be one of the featured guests at the upcoming uh, celebration thing that uh, Paisley Park is having. And she's been mentioned on the show before. <clears throat> so were you, you were, uh, yeah, yeah, obviously you were. Uh, there's Carmen Electra. And we're getting into our chatty patty section here for a second. There's Carmen Electra, Maite, uh, the, mm. the beautiful Nona Gay. Yeah. There was a number of uh, protégés around mm-hmm. at this time. Are you also, as yeah. sort of being like, you know, in your position, are you having to sort of navigate and shuffle people so that certain people don't run into people? Or things? Is there any of that stuff going on? Um, like I said, I love this dude's style. He always made sure everyone was taken care of Mm. and sometimes they could come and be together on certain situations but Marte was the winner Um, you know what I mean Marte was the winner she was the one I was the only guy that was able to be with Marte without him Hmm. So Marte was the winner. You know, like me and Marte spent a lot of time together. You know, me and Marte actually opened up the Glam Slam Club in Las Vegas, in uh, Miami. I'm sorry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were together a lot. So he was smitten <laughs> with her. Everybody else had to wait when it came to Marte. <laughs> mm. Okay. Okay. Man, she was doing it. And salute, salute to Maite. Absolutely. All right. Um, <clears throat> so going back to uh, so Paisley Park and the Diamonds and Pearls is going the symbol. So, but around these times, getting into these times, Prince decides to change his name. And I'm curious, when was the first time you heard about it? Um, right after Cream. And then he did this song called, uh, well, I really can't say the name of the song, but you know the Oh, Sexy the M.F.? He, yeah. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> right after that, that was the song that was told to him not to do by the record company. And so once he did it, they stopped promotion and stopped doing things that he wanted and needed them to do. And therefore, he said, from now on, he sent a uh, memo out through everybody through Paisley Park. And, you know, it came through the security department that not to call him Prince anymore. What would you call him? Well, I always called him dude or sir. (laughs) Okay. So I, I never fell into that that anyway, just to make sure 
<laughs> you know, it was always, all right, dude, I got you. You know, or <laughs> yes, sir, yes, sir. You know, depending on who was around. Okay, got you. Was there, uh, and I'm just asking these questions because just you know, things come. Did you ever have to escort people out of there, out of Paisley Park, or from from around Prince? Like, I mean, it was like people that either worked there or or otherwise. No, that that never was anything that was on me. Okay. You know, that never was nothing like that. I mean, there were a couple of other guys around who might have done something like that. But mm-hmm. that part was never, you know, put on me. They know I probably would have found it a little too. <laughs> they don't, you don't want, don't want Coco to deal with that one. <laughs> 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 I remember Prince already had that. It was, you know, somebody yeah. got their hands well, put I, on. I didn't, I didn't really get polished until about 94. I wasn't. Really? You know, okay. I was learning. All I like was a learning curve, like I said, because at the time, Maybe the biggest person I had been with before him was maybe MC Hammer or Patty LaBelle, but Patty LaBelle was was quick. You know, it would just be walking to the stage. She'd get on stage, walking to the dressing room, I said, mm. you know. And I did a bunch of shows with MC Hammer, but it was still we were we were extras. Me and Shug were extras okay. on the MC Hammer tour. Mm-hmm. So you know, Hammer had like four bodyguards and then a couple of extras, you know. Got it. So I was still not as polished as I needed to be. By 94, I kind of was you know, polished and shining by then. What, what brought the change? Learning, watching, observing, hmm. uh, making mistakes, you know. Learning from the mistakes, being told what to do and what not to do by, you know, other professionals. Okay. Okay. Was there anybody who took you, took you under their wing a little bit or, you know, offered some game to you? Definitely. There was a couple of guys. There's one who rests in peace right now. His name is Big West Crockett. And he was the one who first saw what he saw in me and said, man, you need to do this. You'll be good, you know. And then there was another guy uh, named Edwin Voltz. And he's one of those, you know, behind the scenes money guys. But he would always, you know, counsel me and tell me how I should speak and what I should say. Maybe you didn't say that right. or Maybe could have handled that differently. You know, you always need an older gentleman mm-hmm. kind of whisper in your ear, you know. He might not even do the same job as you, but he knows how to speak to people in certain venues. Right. Like I said, I, I, with, with Prince, you know, you're going to be around some people. You know, we around, you know, all these record executives and Quincy Joneses and Dick Clarks. You know, I ended up doing some stuff for Dick Clark because he saw and heard my professionalism. So I ended up doing stuff you know, with Dick Clark and Dick Wolf and people like that. Okay. Man, all right, all right. Um, and also, I didn't ask earlier, what did your uh, family think of, of mm. what you were doing? And did any of your family actually meet Prince? 
Um, no. This was more of a, oh, that's what he's doing now? Oh, okay. Oh, where is he at? Oh, he's gone? Okay. Mm. You know what I mean? I didn't have that, that type of, of, of family that was really tripping like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, I had a daughter, I had a son, and, you know, I could I could take them to meet people like Dr. Dre or, you know, Cube or Mac-10 or something like that, you know. But the print stuff was was so excluded and so professional, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't really bring people around like that because, like I said, that's Prince. He wasn't, you know what I mean? My job is to keep people away, so I didn't need to <laughs> gotcha. bring people around, you know what I mean? <laughs> you take a picture with my mama and them and my, my cousin didn't want to meet you, black boy. Like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I wasn't going to be that guy, you know? <laughs> I, I, I wasn't. And like I said, you know, my mom wasn't tripping. She, she she was just happy to see her son when I walked through the door, you know? I got you. Got you. <clears throat> Considering the time. Did, uh. Um, she was just tripping by the too. <laughs> I bet. I bet. How was the, uh, in, in terms of, and again, not trying to get all in the business and stuff, but I just think people should, should kind of know what to expect or how, share some experiences. How do you handle, um, like getting paid and that type of thing. Is that a negotiation thing? Or they just say like, okay, this is a number. And you're like, oh, psh, say no more. Or how, how does that work? Well, in the beginning, it was you get paid what they're paying. Mm. Because like I said, you're so excited about being out there. And you're new. You're fresh. Mm-hmm. You don't have that much experience. So you can't expect to get paid a lot, but what they're paying is a lot more than what you would make as a security guard at Albertsons. You know what I mean? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a bank guard at Bank of America. You right, know what I mean? Right, right. It's a whole lot more, and you don't have to stand there wearing that ugly uniform. Mm. And believe it or not. I went to a industrial security college where I learned how to wear the uniform. I had to wear a uniform in school. You know, I went to a a uh, a college of criminal justice and criminology where we had to wear uniforms and learn how to wear the uniforms and shiny shoes and gold whistles and all that kind of stuff. Right. And once I started working, I realized man, I'm making this amount of money and making this amount of money. And I can actually say sometimes you make seventy five to eighty five dollars a day doing security. Being a bodyguard, you're making one fifty to two hundred and fifty dollars a day as a rookie. Hmm. As a rookie. Plus travel, plus food, plus stay. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> you see what I mean? Right. So over the years, you get to a point where you have a price and you're able to say, well, if I'm going to work for you, I need this much a day. It's up to them to say, okay, we can pay that. Or they'll say, well, we can pay this much a week. Can you do it? And it's up to you to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. When you, you know, so look, okay. 
Yeah, there are a couple of gigs I've turned down because it wasn't paying enough. Mm. Are these you know, that, that, that are these negotiations, and specifically with with Prince? Do you have to have that with some sort of manager, or do you talk to him directly on it? No, no, no. It was it was the manager and the uh, the role manager who say, okay, you know, we pay this, you know, and like I said. They buying suits. They paying for this. I'm flying first class. I'm just. I didn't care. I was go. I would have been there for fifty bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you don't get this kind of. You don't get this kind of experience. Right. Like I said, I went from a tour bus to first class flights. Mm, around the world. You know, I mm. went from wearing. I went from wearing sweatsuits to to boss <laughs> suits. You know, that's a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. So, whatever they was paying, I was with it. (laughs) Just keep calling me. You know, that was my whole thing. Keep calling me. You gonna be in L.A.? Call me. (laughs) Mm. You want me to meet you in New York? Call me. You know, I just wanted to get the call. And how did you adjust to the work hours and things? Because I imagine he's doing stuff at a whole different time than most of society is, is asleep or something. Well, once you become a bodyguard, remember I, I went to a school and you, know, you, you learn that you're going to either work all day or you're going to work all night. Mm. The better, the better your job in executive protection, you just know that you need to stay awake. So your body kind of, alludes to that and it gets to a point where you're able to just stay awake because you know that's your job. And of course, you know, you get breaks, you know, sometimes if it's you and someone else or a couple other guys, y'all get breaks and you can send a couple of guys to the hotel, go to get some sleep and come back and switch out and do stuff like that. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a, if it's a person like Prince where, you know, you're going to be awake, you know, it's not just you sometimes. Sometimes it's you and his brother and his manager and, you know, maybe one of his friends or something, you know, and you got to watch out for everybody. Mm. So you're so, you're so excited. You don't want nothing to happen on your watch. You're awake. Mm-hmm. So what's it so, like if, if you were Prince and he wants to go to the club or something? If he wants to go to a club, my job was to go to the club first, check it out, set up a table, figure out how we're going to get in and get out, and an escape route to get in and get out. Mm. And if the club was cool, meaning that if the female to male ratio made sense, (laughs) if there was too many dudes in the club... Let him know. He'll be like, "We ain't going to that club." <laughs> I ain't come to see these niggas. I can't swear that. Right. <laughs> so he'll, he'll say, "You know, let me know." And I would. Back then, we were using pagers and uh, beepers. Mm-hmm. So he would beep, he would beat me, and I would beep him back ninety nine, which meant it was cool. <laughs> and he would come back. I would tell him where to meet him, tell him, tell the driver where to meet us or where to meet me. And we would go in the club and be there for a few minutes and leave. Hmm. 
in the club type of thing like that, I have some, you know, you have your own booth or in VIP. How do you, do, do people, I imagine young ladies, do people come up and want to meet Prince or something? Like, how does that work? Well, they definitely walk up. Um, I'm standing there. <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely got to get past me. Um, I can kind of see who you are or what's going on or blah, blah, blah. And I would determine if I was going to step back and say, this person wants to speak with you or this person wants to meet you. Mm. You know, I could determine that, that if it was going to be a waste of time, I would be like, no, you're not talking to someone tonight or, you know, we're just here chilling. You know, I mean, something like that. Something where I don't break their fandom, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I might even just step to the side, let them get a good look at him. And then, you know, kind of touch them and say, you know, let's, let's keep going. Keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any any other, like, celebrities come up like that? that you can remember? Um, there has been times, you know, a lot of times, you know, people walk up. You know, like I said, we even go to certain people's shows, you know, like uh, Michelle and Dago Cello, Lenny Kravitz, people like that. You know, we go to their shows and they come up and be like, hey, you know, I want to talk to them, blah, 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 you know, and I look back and, you know, he'll give me a nod, you know, and I move out the way and he'll slide to the booth. Okay. Okay. Interesting, man. Um, Wanted to go back to the name change and Mm. and just the whole Warner Brothers thing. Mm -hmm. How, How did you... How did you see that from your perspective? Um, I imagine if you're around, you know that he's got new music or is working on stuff. But how did it seem from your perspective that, you know, he's at odds with his record company and that whole thing? Well, I mean, I wasn't really technically into it like that, except for, you know, him talking about changes that are going to be made, you know, as far as, you know, certain things that are going to be made to equipment. You know, we started wearing these pins with his name on it, you know, so it kind of, kind of told everybody who we were and who we were with, you know, um, he kind of gotten to a point where he wanted to show everybody his new name. So he got a new light made and it, put it on top of the stage and, you know, he kind of embraced it like it was a really big thing. So it was really important to everybody to understand that this is what's going forth. And he wanted you to know that his name is not Prince anymore. And once he made the song, his name is not Prince or his name is Prince. And then he did these expletives after that, you know, to say, that's not my name. You know, <laughs> it would be real funny to, you know, to everybody. It was, it was hilarious to me. So, but, you know, he was something else, man. <laughs> I was, that's what I was about to ask you. Like, I'm sure you saw Prince in a way you probably never thought you would see him. Like, did you... Did you ever, like I was going to ask there, specifically, there was, the, like with the band, did you ever see him have a, what was his relationship with the band? And did you ever see any time when he had to sort of like kind of go at somebody or something or correct something? Or oh, something? yeah. Like, trust me, if you 
Man, see, he was so precise. You got to realize, if Prince has a band, mm. they're playing. They're playing everything he's told them to play. He's told the drummer what to play. You know, the keyboard player. The, everything they're playing, they're playing what he's played already. Mm. So if they ain't playing it right, oh, he's a docker. He will dock your pay in a minute. He's like, oh, yeah, you just bought everybody some steaks. <laughs> you know, because, you know, he would dock you because he heard these bad notes or he heard these off things, you know, and he will dock you in a second. But he was enamored with the NPG. He loved them because they were such musicians. Everybody could play ridiculously like it was like no question about their musicianship mm. you know and you gotta realize too most of them like Sonny and all them they had been around him for years like love sexy and all that kind of stuff so he know and knew you know at Barbarino and all them that they could play mm-hmm. you know so he loved the band he loved them because they they could actually just duplicate what he actually did in the studio probably the night before. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, and so we talked yeah, talk about Letterman. Uh, I'm trying to think, what was some of the, what was some other special moments that you can remember? <laughs> <laughs> well, un- unfortunately, well, no, I'm going to say fortunately, because I was walking in front of him. But I was walking in front of him when he did the MTV Video Awards. Are you talking about the get off? The yellow, the yellow pants. Outfit. Oh Lord! Yeah, yeah. I was walking in front of him, so I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know till he got on the stage. I'm standing in front of the stage, turned around, and was like, "Oh man, come on!" <laughs> you know. But hey, that's that, your that, boy. Was, that was his way. <laughs> that was his way of telling them to kiss it. You know what I mean? Mm, mm, okay. <laughs> that was his way. You know. <laughs> now, what if they would have said, like, "All right, Coco, man, everybody's got to have the look." So I need the bodyguards to put on the. Sh- y'all gonna have a suit version of the yellow outfit? You still gonna? You still no. Gonna- <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I, I would have been sick that day. <laughs> I would have been sick that day. Oh man! So we got it. We got ten k for you. You know. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> that was way too public, man. That was here. That was in L.A. You know, <laughs> right. and you know my boy. My boy Bobcat was a DJ for LL, and D- and LL was doing "Mama Said Knock You Out" with a live band for the first time that night. Mm. So Bob was there, and that was my boy. And I was like, "No, nah, you know, we we both were just happy we made it right. to have big stars like that." You know, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's coming out coming out of Crenshaw. Yeah, that's an accomplishment. That's a beautiful thing, man. You know, you know, going back to that real quick. I mean, like. All the, a lot of the people from that area, damn near like icons in the game. You know True. what I mean? Like put their stamp down 
for sure. Like like I say, you can you say Crenshaw to somebody that ain't never been there, like me, and I know exactly what you know. I have an idea. Like, okay, I get where you're coming from. Right. You know. So that exactly. salute to y'all. Um, and you mentioned it, but say, what's the name of your book? Protecting Royalty. Protecting Royalty. And it's out right now? Um, it's in the mix with publishing. Okay. Okay. Well, we on, we, yeah. when, it's, when it's ready, please let us know because we're definitely going to be on that. And check that definitely, out. Sir. Okay. Protecting yes. Royalty. Um, well, I was going to ask, how did, uh, how did the relationship, you know, you go your separate ways. How, how did that come about? Well, I think I literally just got too big. And what I mean is, once I met him, I might have been 280, maybe, 275. Mm -hmm. And by 94, I was about 360. Mm -hmm. But I was a, I was a competitive power lifter. So I had gotten so much bigger that he didn't want a big bodyguard running around with him anymore. Plus he didn't really want a bodyguard at all. He was really about to take a break and chill out with my Terry and, you know, do his thing. Mm -hmm. He was really, really to the point where he was like, you know, the music business sucks and, you know, y'all not listening to me and, you know, this internet thing is about to take off. And he said it back in 94 or 95, you know, y'all not understanding that music is going to be this and y'all not going to be able to do this. And I'm not going to be able to do this. And so I'm just, just, chilling. Hmm. and he, he was like, I'm cool. I don't, I don't really need a big bodyguard anymore. So, if you notice, you never saw really big dudes with him after that. Huh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What year was but, this? What, what, what time? Okay. But I saw him again and uh, he was about to go to Vegas, which is where I live still, to do a uh, the show at the Rio. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he was he was doing a residency mm-hmm. called the three the, the thirty one twenty one residency. And he was like, you know, I'm gonna be there, you know, if you wanna come down, you know, it's cool. You know, and I came once and you know, he was like, you know, like I said I was so big, he was like, My God, man, you just too big. But I didn't understand at the time the way he was saying it. I should have took more of heed to it, then I wouldn't be in the health situation that I'm in right now. Mm. So the way he was saying it, he was kind of saying like, dude, lose some weight, man. Like, do it for yourself. Like, lose some weight. You don't need all that. Like, mm. you're way too big, you know. So, you know, I went back to to L.A., and he was like, man, somebody stole all of our equipment. Do you know of a security company that can watch our, our equipment? Because I don't trust the real hotel's security. And I was like, oh, okay. So I got in the security company. 
to watch over his equipment because they would put the equipment outside. Why? I don't know. But they would put his equipment outside, you know, and cover it up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it got stolen, you know. So, like, his stuff is real important. And so when they stole his guitar, he was like, oh, no, I'm cool. (laughs) So he didn't come out. He he didn't come back. He was like, you know, I'll have a different person come every night and, you know, I'm not coming back. And he didn't come back. But I sort of kind of liked it out here. You know, the weather, the houses and all that. I met a female in L.A. and she said she went to come to Vegas. And it made sense. So I was like, well, man, you know, I come to Vegas all the time anyway. People call me to go to Vegas. I was like, I might as well be here. I've been here for the past, been here for the past 14 years. Okay. Okay. Man. So, oh, and you know, I got to ask you this as well. Uh, Take us back to when you heard uh, a prince's passing. My my first questions were how, and then once I found out how, the disgust just had me just just crying and bawling like a baby because it was so sad that they really just not listened to him because Prince tells you what's going on. He talks to you. He lets you know. So somebody should have had enough balls to stay. Because Prince will clear his house out. He'll be like, okay, I need everybody to leave. Everybody go. I'm cool. Right? Mm-hmm. A lot of our arguments when I was there, I'd be like, okay, you cool. I would just go sleep on the couch. Did you and, say you know, arguments? Yeah, because, you know, he would say, I want you to leave, and I'd be like, yeah, okay. And I would be like, no, I'm going to stay because I want to make sure you're good. Mm. So I don't see why the people who were there didn't stay. You already know this dude is going through something. Mm -hmm. Why would you leave him by himself? That made no sense to me. Mm. And still don't. Are, have you ever reached out to some of these people? I don't know if you're cool no, with them. I, I, I want to stay stay holy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got you. Because mm. <laughs> it definitely wouldn't be nice. I mean, it's it's really nothing to talk about. You mm. can't explain to me why you would why would you leave just because of I understand the man is telling you to leave his house. Okay, I got you. But if you're in a protection capacity and you care for your client, this is your client. This is the guy that pays you. If he's gone, you're gone. Mm. So if something happens to him, you have no job. So why not just stick around somewhere? You could have just been in the lobby, just go to go lay down, go sit down, just go, just be there. That's all I'm saying. Mm. And and argue with him in the morning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
but I'm sure he reached out to somebody. I'm sure he was trying to reach out and they would have heard him if they would have been there. Yeah, man, that's, I don't know. There's a lot that's been said, but like you said, it's like, he ain't coming back, but it's a, it's like you said, it's a damn shame. Right. Just a damn shame. All right. Oh, man. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. And it is, <laughs> and it is April. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm. Well, sir, I got to mm-hmm. say thank you for sharing, coming on and talking about your experiences. Is there anything that we left out that you like, oh, yeah, we got to touch on this or. I mean, all I got to say is uh, God is great. God has kept me alive. Mm. I have no kidneys. Mm. And it's been a year and I'm still here. All right. Amen. Yeah. But God, you know, and technically, I would definitely say to you know, big shouts out to all the bodyguards who take care of their clients, uh, all the personal assistants who have to work hours and hours to book shows and take care of their clients. This business is a, a, a special business, man. Everybody's not cut out for it. And I just want to give a shout out to everybody who has done what I've done and do what I did. All right. All right. And, and real quick, just to speak on your industry, you, now you you know have a lot of experience in that. What do you say to somebody that wants to get into uh, being a you know bodyguard or that type of thing? What, what would you tell them with all your experience? Well, it's, it's a wanting. If you really, really want to do this because the game and the business has changed, just know that it's not a business for somebody who maybe just had a baby or mm. you have a jealous girlfriend. You're not going to be able to do this job because you're going to be away from home. You're going to be with females that your girlfriend or fiance uh, would not approve of. You're going to be spending close proximity with females that your client might be with. Mm. You're going to be in places that you may not be in. If you are a Christian male, this is definitely not the Mm. job for you. Interesting. You are going to be in places that is going to go against every part of your religion. Your religion will be challenged. Your morals are going to be challenged. Like I said, the game has changed. So your morals are going to be challenged right now. Mm. You have to be incredibly strong. And I'm not talking lifting weights. I'm Mm. talking mentally strong. You're going to see things and hear things that if you're not strong enough to handle, you're going to break down. Mm. 
if you break down in front of somebody, you're going to lose your job. Mm. So it's a lot to think about before you become a bodyguard or executive protection or up close personal bodyguard. You have to think about that. Even in residential protection, you have to think about, are you ready to face dudes that's ready to rob these houses? They come in with guns. Mm-hmm. They're not coming with kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're not coming to talk. Mm-hmm. So it's about your heart. You have to really, truly be ready to get into a business like this. The way you just described it, it almost makes me think like, <clears throat> is it worth it? Like, you know, <laughs> because it's like you, you mentioned that you're going to see some things and you always hear these stories and things are like, man, it, it, you, you might go to this house party or, you know, some situation mm-hmm. and you might open the wrong door True. and see your favorite such and such in there doing something. You, <laughs> you're like, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. You know, and that's like, you might, yeah. you might see a family member. Ooh, wow. You might see a person from your church. Mm. <laughs> you know, the list goes on, man. Wow. There's a lot a lot tugging yeah. at your soul, it sounds like, in this business. <laughs> I mean, like I said, you, you have to be ready for that. Like, a lot of people just not ready. I've just seen guys just crumble, you know, because they want to bring their girl to meet such and such, mm. and now such and such them <laughs> took their girl. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> You know, dude, what was you thinking? (laughs) She loved me. You know. Yeah. Man, (laughs) the dude told you, don't bring your girl around me. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I know you done heard and seen some stuff. What? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some of it's funny and some of it you can just shake your head. Mm. Mm. Damn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave it at that. And, and uh, I've been, I've been with, I've been with the best of them and the worst of them. Oh wow! Oh, uh, this yeah. is another thing. Not, not that he was the best or the worst. I salute this brother. But I think I saw this on your page. Were you also around uh, Kanye for a while? Yeah, yeah, that was my last. Uh, I would say public eye person that I did uh, residential security and I ended up being his bodyguard. Because you are in the, uh, or you're, you're seen in the, the Netflix uh, documentary, is that right? In some of the footage? Yes, yeah. Uh, While we were in the studio in LA. And his mom was there and stuff? <laughs> yeah, Miss Donda, rest in peace. Oh, wow, man. Wow, wow, wow. She, she, yeah, she was something else. <laughs> what is uh, what do you think of Kanye? You you were around him for a little bit. Well, the Kanye I was around is not the Kanye now. How so? Uh, mentally, he was with uh, one female, and she was real cool and and quiet, and you know nobody probably knew her name and. They were seemed like they were in, in love, and 
Kanye was nice and calm and, you know, he was still just making beats and he had just made one album and it was doing really good. And, you know what I mean? Like it was, I was around that Kanye. Mm-hmm. Um, he was about to maybe win a bunch of American Music Awards and a couple of Grammys. And, you know, his life was about to seriously change. And he had already got some money, just bought a new house in, in Hollywood. And, you know what I mean? I, I was around that Kanye. Okay. So so it, it was nothing like the Kanye that is now who totally just, you know, lost his wife and kind of doesn't know where he is right now. Yeah. It's almost, he, he, you make him sound like what you were just describing, like you got to be ready for every, everything that comes with this. <coughs> and, right. you know, how it right. can change you. And I mean, even, you. You, even as an artist, you have to be ready. Mm-hmm. You have to be ready for the fact that now life has changed and you can't go anywhere by yourself. You have to have a bodyguard with you everywhere you go because you want to wear gold chains and diamonds but don't realize that somebody else will try to take your gold chains and diamonds if you are not with a professional. Mm. You know, I've seen artists get robbed with a bodyguard. Mm. Because the bodyguard wasn't ready for that smoke. Do you have to, have you ever had to like try and convince your client like, yo, you don't want to move like that. You don't want to wear that here or can't just walk out there by yourself type of thing. Um, if it was just me, I've always had a tuck your chain, give me your watch. I'll put it in my pocket type of rules if we are in certain places. If you just feel like you just got to go to this strip club, <laughs> then we are tucking chains and we you giving me the Rolex. You know what I mean? Because you just feel like you just got to go in here, then then this is what we're gonna do. And we got a time limit. Mm. So yeah, it's been times where I've had to kind of put my foot down. You say you got a time limit because I, I would imagine once the word get out, oh, such and such over at such and such club. Let's go. Right. Mm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly, man. I mean, <laughs> from Magic City to, to First King, man, I've been it. I've been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Okay. But and, and with all that, uh, I think you working now, you work uh when I say with the church, I mean you could be in that sort of gospel energy, but that's that's where you are now, right? You working with the uh right now I protect my pastor and his wife and his family. Okay. That's what I do. All right. Amen. Amen. And I, and I don't and I don't charge him a dime. Wow. Nice. Okay. Gotta respect that. Gotta respect that. Yes. All right. You said they called you Big Coco. So we're going we're gonna to leave it. We're going to call Big you Coco. Big Coco. Man, we so appreciate you, sir, for coming on. Um, is there a place where people can uh, contact you? Learn more information? Um, OG, 
OG Big Coco at Instagram. Uh, yeah, that'll do it. All right, IG, we get up on. <laughs> Check you out there, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed this. Please leave your comments, questions down below where you, wherever you're hearing this at. And uh, you know what I must say: work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace. Music like this at home. I think not.